Welcome to Saga Craft. Myths, fairy tales, legends, stories comfort us, inspire us, and heal us. Please join us as we share stories, both old and new. More than anything, we are open to the story and its unfolding. At times, it may be one story told by one person. At times, it's the same story told through three different voices. In the end, we go where the story takes us, and we invite you to follow. I'm C, a writer, artist, and storyteller. I'm Betsy, a medium and teacher of mystery traditions. I'm Gabriella, an artist and practitioner of folk magic. We We are are magical magical fairy godmothers godmothers in in training. training. Today, I would like to share a story from the Eastern Slavic lands of Russia. And it's a story about Vasilisa the Beautiful. A long time ago, in a certain Sardom, a merchant and his wife, who have been married for a long time, were finally blessed with the birth of a daughter. They named her Vasilisa. Sadly, when Vasilisa was only eight years old, her mother became gravely ill. As a final gift to her daughter, Vasilisa's mother gave her a doll. She said, my dear sweet Vasilisushka, listen carefully, for this is important. I am dying. But with my final maternal blessing, I give you this doll. Make sure you always keep her close and don't let anybody see her. If you are ever in danger, feed her and ask her for advice. She will always help you. With these final words and a kiss, Vasilisa's mother died. The merchant mourned the death of his wife, but after some time, he considered marrying again. He decided to marry a widow, a woman close to his age who also had two daughters of her own. He was hoping that this mature woman and her daughters would be a great family to Vasilisa, but he was mistaken. The widow and her daughters were deeply jealous of Vasilisa's beauty and were very cruel to her. They gave her all kinds of harsh chores to complete in hopes that she would grow skinny and frail. In turn, Vasilisa accomplished all of her chores in hot sun, strong wind, and cold rain, and grew more full and beautiful each day, to the dismay of her stepmother and stepsisters. They were the ones who grew more ugly and shriveled with resentment as the time passed. How did Vasilisa remain so joyful and unchanged against the resentment she was facing? Well, as her mother instructed, Vasilisa fed her doll, who aided her in all of her chores, no matter how difficult they may have been. She always set aside morsel of food for the doll, even if it meant she didn't eat much herself. The doll her mother gave her was always fed, and in return, she listened to Vasilisa, gave her advice, did her chores, and even taught her what herbs to use to keep her skin from burning when the stepmother would send her out into the scorching sun to work. A few years went by, and Vasilisa became of age to marry. Being the most beautiful young girl in the village, she had many suitors. Nobody paid any attention to her ugly stepsisters, which drove their mother to rage, and she would punish Vasilisa with painful beatings. She saw Vasilisa as a reason why her daughters would never marry. When the merchant had to leave home on business for a long time, she found another house to move to. This house was near a thick forest, and deep in this forest was a hut which was the dwelling of Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga wanted to be left alone, didn't like people, and even ate them like chickens if she felt like it. Needless to say, with the forest so close to this house, Vasilisa's stepmother found all kinds of reasons to send her to the woods to complete various chores, 
of hopes of Baba Yaga seeing and capturing her so she would never return. But somehow, Vasilisa never came upon the hut of Baba Yaga because the doll always advised her which paths to avoid and how to get safely home. One autumn evening, the three maidens were tasked with sewing work to complete. When the only candle was snuffed out, Vasilisa was forced to go to Baba Yaga's hut to bring back more light. Vasilisa fed her doll and shared the news of her terrifying journey to come and how she was scared for her life. The doll ate her supper and with gleaming eyes comforted Vasilisa. Fear not, Vasilisushka. With me hidden in your pocket, no harm will come to you from Baba Yaga. Vasilisa started her journey into the dark night. Trembling and cold, she walked for some time. A white horseman rode past her, dressed in white, on a white horse, and daybreak came. She kept walking. A red horseman galloped past her, dressed in red, on a red horse, and the sun rose high into the sky. All night and all day and the following evening, she came upon Baba Yaga's hut, which was a terrifying sight. The hut was fenced by human bones and was surrounded by spikes with human skulls with glaring eyes. A black horseman approached. His horse was black and he was dressed in black and night came, but not for long. The horseman galloped into the hut and was swallowed by it and the eyes and all the skulls lit up and everywhere was now bright like day. And then the trees parted and Baba Yaga came flying through the air in a mortar, steering it toward with a pestle. She sniffed the air and shouted, phew, phew, what is that human smell? Who dares to come here? It is I, grandmother, said Vasilisa, bowing her head low. I was sent here to bring home some light. Very well then, but first you must work for me and do whatever I ask of you or I will eat you, said Baba Yaga as she opened up the hut and let Vasilisa inside. Time went by and Vasilisa fulfilled all of Baba Yaga's requests. She cooked, she cleaned, she spun, and she sewed. All along, she fed her doll and made sure even the most impossible of tasks were performed perfectly so that Baba Yaga had no reason to complain. One day, Baba Yaga turned her nose at Vasilisa and asked, how is it that you accomplish whatever I ask of you? Well, grandmother, Vasilisa replied, I am helped by the blessing of my mother. Baba Yaga recoiled. Oh, I see. That's what it is. I will not have any blessing in my house. Get out of here, blessed daughter, and take the light for which you came. Shoo! Vasilisa ran out of the hut, grabbing one of the skulls with fiery eyes from the fence and headed for home. She hesitated for a moment and thought about hiding it somewhere. It looked so dangerous, and surely there must be light at home by now. But the skull whispered to her. Take me to your stepmother and stepsisters. And as Vasilisa approached closer to the house and saw that it was dark, she decided to bring the glowing skull with her. She was greeted warmly by her stepfamily for the first time. They told her they were unable to light a match during her absence and were so grateful for Vasilisa's return. The skull with glowing eyes stared at the stepmother and stepsister so intensely that they burned. No matter where they hid, the burning eyes would find them and by morning, they were nothing but ash. Vasilisa remained untouched and unharmed by the skull's fire. She buried the skull in the yard, secured the house, and left. She found an elderly childless woman who gave her shelter as Vasilisa waited for her father's return. Sometime during her stay, she said, Grandmother, 
I am restless with no work. Bring me some flax and I will take up spinning again. She also asked her doll for a loom. The doll said, bring me an old comb, a shuttle and some horsehair and I shall make you a loom. With this fine loom, Vasilisa was able to weave the most beautiful linen worthy of a Tsar. The old woman told Vasilisa to make some shirts and she would take them to the palace to present at court. The Tsar has never seen such fine clothing and requested to meet the creatrix of the woven gifts. Upon meeting beautiful Vasilisa, he fell madly in love with her and asked her to marry, and she agreed. The wedding was celebrated right away, for the Tsar could not imagine another day without Vasilisa at his side. Soon after, her father returned and was asked to live at the palace with the happy couple. Vasilisa asked for the old woman to be invited to the palace as well, and ended up living there too. Vasilisa never forgot about her doll and kept her close and fed her for the rest of her life until she died. Hard not to applaud. <laughs> well, I have to say, I really want a doll like that myself. <laughs> Perhaps we should make some. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Well, thank you. I loved it. And actually, that brings up the question for me. Why did she get a doll? You know what I mean? Why Lisa with the doll? Well, I have a practical answer that is culturally accurate. There are dolls made in Eastern Europe. They are made of clothing that belong to the parent, usually the mother, and they are protective dolls. So the smell of the mother would be on the clothing of the doll. And so when mothers would go to work or would have to go away, they would leave these dolls who are called motanki which just means a meddling. Montanka means something meddled together, sort of fastened together. And these dolls would protect and soothe children. So it, there really is a very, an accurate connection to the doll and the doll having magical and protective powers and one that you can tell your sorrows to. So it is part of the folk culture. Lovely. Perhaps, and perhaps the doll was a doll that her mother gave her. The mother's daughter, the grandmother. How do you think Vasilisa felt about it burning them up? I don't believe that she would on her own desire that. I think Vasilisa more than anything wanted to please everybody and wanted change to occur. Yeah, I, I mean, I think as much as she wanted to please everybody too, I'm really struck by how whatever came at her, she encompassed, you know, with strengthened by the doll, strengthened by the knowledge that she would get the advice or the help or whatever. She really took a lot of things in her stride, even the marriage. He falls madly in love with her and she agrees. Why not? You know, <laughs> but it sounds like what you're talking about is the possible power of blessing that comes down maybe through the ancestral field. Yes. And how that is something that even Baba Yaga could acknowledge as being a very formidable power. Yes. Well, one that in its own right might even interfere with Baba Yaga's magic or whatever, whatever it is that she decided, you know, to ask Vasilisa to leave, you know, to finally say, okay, we're done with everything here. It's very interesting. And the story is really worthy of a book. There is so much there. There is so much in the story. 
And the fact that there's more than one story about Vasilisa and Baba Yaga, and they are different, each story is different, almost shows a different phase or a different aspect of these two women interacting. It's fascinating to to witness and to honor the different phases of a person's life and how they can be changed based on in what type of a heroine they appear or what type of a villain they appear. In this story, Baba Yaga can be seen as a villain or as a savior, one who bestows the revenge that Vasilisa herself would not be able to administer. Because when she arrives at Baba Yaga's hut, Baba Yaga doesn't let her leave without the light she came for, knowing what the light would do and knowing that Vasilisa would be safe from this light, just like she was safe from any of her wraths that would normally come upon anybody else in her home, any other human that would come to her home. Yeah, um, and also I'm wondering if by virtue of the the experience that Vasilisa has had with the doll too, that whatever the confidence that it gave her to be able to approach Baba Yaga and also the stepmother and the sisters prepared her for Baba Yaga by ordering her around, giving her impossible tasks to do. Baba Yaga is just a big step up, it sounds like, from this. So that unlike many people that maybe had a better childhood and better opportunities who would not have been prepared for somebody like Baba Yaga, Vasilisa was ready for her. Does she become more cunning in some of the other versions? Or how would you describe her? She really doesn't. She's a strong character, but seems unchanged by whatever's thrown her way. She seems to be the light carrier, the light bearer in many of the representations of the different stories. She's often seen as the initiatrix, as the, as the initiated, as the persevering light of, in many ways, as the eternal maiden with eternal hope and access to other powers, other worldly powers. In many ways, she's seen as Baba Yaga's apprentice. And it's this this striking image of her emerging from the dark wood with the raging skull fire (laughs) that scorches her enemies. I was just pondering the thought of a light bearer and there she is. The light that she's carrying is really like a double-edged sword in a way. It brings the light, but it also brings death. And a leveling, a reckoning, if you will. Yeah, there's something about how taking the light from a source by oppressing it and torturing it into giving you light actually blows up in your face. (laughs) And, And then it puts it into the perspective. Another aspect here is Baba Yaga, the judge of character here. Is she weighing the worthy against the unworthy of her gifts, of her transformative, powerful gifts? I certainly look at it that way because there are plenty of people that approach Baba Yaga's hut, yet clearly by the, by the posts with the skulls, many of them do not return except for a few. And Vasilisa's one. But Vasilisa also, in approaching Baba Yaga, gives her due respect. She bows to her. She's recognizing what she's walking into. And that if she's to walk out, she really has to show up 
and recognize the power of Baba Yaga. I love that I had never heard her like get out before I hadn't heard that version. And I really like that. Like you have a blessing, you cannot be here because that could go any way at any time. <laughs> That's an untrustworthy thing. But I also really loved the thought and uh, I've heard the story many times in different ways, but not this one. I love the idea of her getting back and burying the skull. And it made me really think about the journey of the person who had that skull Clearly, they showed up at Baba Yaga's hut and failed until they could do this one thing to redeem themselves, and then they were put to peace, to rest. There was something very lovely to me in that. It's almost like a weird Baba Yaga purgatory. You'll just sit on the stake for a while till you learn your lesson, then you get to repair, atone, and then you can rest. I haven't looked at it that way, but it's absolutely, you're absolutely right. That is, that is how it happened. And to be buried, to, to have a final resting place mm-hmm. and then be engaged because Vasilisa was going to bury it anywhere and leave it in the forest. She was afraid of it. wasn't really sure what was going to happen with the skull. And the spirit, that skull said to her, let me come with you. I have work to do. <laughs> and therefore ended up being buried and laid to rest. You got to do this one thing, man. (laughs) This one thing. (laughs) Until somebody else unburied it, maybe. I don't know. I also was curious. So in the Grimm stories, they, you know, now the Grimm stories are filled with stepmothers, but originally they were not. When the Grimms originally went around and interviewed everybody for the stories, those were genuine mothers who were destroying their children. And then the Grimms, they're brothers, and I suppose they probably have a mother they don't want to piss off. And so they wrote mothers out and wrote in stepmothers everywhere so that there wouldn't be any condemnation of mothers in their work. And so I wonder if that's also true in the story. I do not know if that is true in the story, and it seems that the mother's death is auspicious. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the power that Vasilisa is taking from the doll. So I think in this version, the death of the mother is real. The stepmother and the stepsisters, I'm not sure if there is a version without them, a version of the story without them. But it, it does strike me odd that with the stepsisters and the stepmother, there's a certain element of the other. I wonder if it's a cross-cultural element, just like, for example, in, when I read the story, there are several versions of when Vasilisa or any other human approaches Baba Yaga's hut. What is often said by Baba Yaga is when she smells, she says, what is that Russian smell? She will often be referring to a person, a Russian person, which this is a Russian story. And then in other versions, it's about the human. She smells the human. But to bring it back into that stepmother aspect, is it the people we're marrying into different, with people of different countries that became this place of misunderstanding of assuming cruelty that the other might have where its own family, its own clan would not. I bring it up because it's consistent in a lot of these stories of smelling of a person that's different. 
So the stepmother could be just the other, an unknown factor, a foreign factor, influencing the law and order of a community as it's been developed. Somebody new infiltrating it, not knowing its ways, causing havoc, causing pain and sorrow to the family or to the community. It comes up quite a bit. So I wonder too, if that's an aspect of the stepmother. Well, and what a perfect setup for that to be the case too, I would think, with the father being a merchant and somebody who travels possibly to other lands and, you know, where he might be finding somebody who brings back the other in that kind of way. But the other is also there with Baba Yaga. And in a certain kind of way, the other is there with Vasilisa herself too. I mean, she's so full of graces, for lack of a better word, that that's kind of otherworldly right there. Absolutely. And even her birth is auspicious because her parents were married for a long time. Her parents were married for 12 years before she was born. So her birth itself is magical, is somewhat miraculous. So even that... Indeed, she, Vasilisa is is another. She's a, of a different time, of a different, she's made of a different tapestry than the rest of her world and is punished for it and has to suffer for it until she's recognized first by Baba Yaga and then by the Tsar, who, you know, in this story has the place of seeing her, truly seeing her and finding out of all the women in the commun- in, in the land whatever princesses were nearby, he chooses her. And that type of story is, I think it's 5% of stories uh, where the uh, protagonist is not changed. Usually in a story, the protagonist has changed a great deal. But in 5% of stories, the protagonist doesn't change. They change everyone around them by their being there. And when you were telling it, I was so honestly thinking of the Carlo Ginsberg one where he's describing witches and the way that that now is linked, at least in my mind, to so many neurodiversities. And I was like, wow, so Vasilisa's kind of neurodiverse. You know, she's out there being super on task and super focused. (laughs) She got the naivety, (laughs) just making her way in her different way. And that forces everyone around her to change including Baba Yaga, because it brings out such a different version of Baba Yaga and kind of waiting for the wrath of Baba Yaga or the penances or whatever it is that Baba Yaga might cast on a person. But Vasilisa seemed almost immune to them by virtue of the doll. I totally see it as Baba Yaga rather recognizing her own. Oh yeah, you remind me when I was a kid. And here's a skull to give you a few, a few kind of what coping tools to deal with your reality. Exactly. And perhaps, well, I can't punish you, but I need to punish someone. Exactly. <laughs> Take this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, and Baba Yaga really—it's a little. None of her powers are described in this story, except for the fact that she rules the three times of day, the white horseman, the red horseman, and the night horseman. They are dawn, daybreak, and night, and they work for her. 
she controls time and she controls destiny. And she is part of nature. She is outside of nature. She can change it. There are so many aspects here that are hidden of Baba Yaga's power. And yet upon meeting with Vasilisa, she's able to share that destiny shift with Vasilisa and bring Vasilisa into her true self and into her, she, Baba Yaga aligns her with the potential that's always been hers, doesn't even take credit, except to the people who are observing her. She's the villain in the story, but yet she's the great helpful grandmother. Well, she's an extraordinary change agent. I mean, it seems as though the stepmother is the real villain, but, and Baba Yaga could have eclipsed her, but Vasilisa neutralized her in some way. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the things that I really love about Baba Yaga is in my mind, she's so always the villain and the savior. Like she's just both. (laughs) She's the test that either allows you to, you know, take it a step up or just knocks you right back down. And her artifacts, the skull of light, same thing. It's a savior, but it also takes everybody down that needs to be taken down. Yes. And I'm certain it taught Vasilisa quite a lot. I'm certain it did too. And Vasilisa's responses are so mild to what's (laughs) happening. No matter what comes her way, she—I mean, she has the emotions. She's scared, she's worried, and yet she has this immense trust and surrenders to the wisdom of her mother. And she listens to what she's told. She pays attention. She's always the observer. She's the worker and the observer. And she knows how to honor her world and her circumstances. In some versions, Vasilisa is referred to either Vasilisa the Beautiful, but more often she is Vasilisa the Brave, known for her her courage and perseverance. You can think of her as Vasilisa the Blessed also. Exactly. I guess it comes up for me too that, that, so back to the, why does Vasilisa get a blessing? (laughs) I wonder about where it really comes from. I know in the story she's given it by her mother and I question that that's a standard way to get it. I think there is something inherent in that blessing. There is definitely something inherent in that blessing and more so because her mother dies when she's only eight and there is something, so once again, we are talking about Slavic culture. It is believed that the belief is held that if a family member dies, or if a mother or a father die, usually a mother, if a mother dies early when the child is is still very young, her spirit, her protection, that ancestral wealth and bounty remains with the child. So with the doll, it's all of Vasilisa's ancestral power and her mother, her mother's blessings and her mother is almost activated in that doll because she cannot be there physically but she somehow embeds herself into the magic of the doll to continue on and guide Vasilisa through her life. So it's really an ancestral gift 
and a blessing of the lineage under circumstances when the lineage is broken or the parent dies early, which I'm guessing happened often. And a lot of the time in these stories, it is often the orphan that is the heroine. So it's the person who is left without, who's left abandoned or who's left without a parent, one or two, that is given these magical abilities and magical gifts and magical protections under auspicious circumstances. I suspect that's true. But I'm also really a little obsessed with the horsemen. I've always wanted to know more about the horsemen. <laughs> Where did they come from? Where are they going? How do we get to know the horsemen? Do you have any idea? I am treating you like an expert here because you know so much more than me. I'm sorry about that. I will certainly not appear to be an expert because I know very little other than reading these stories and loving these stories. The three horsemen, just like the fate of the three sisters and the turn of the three magical times that everything is blessed in represent the times of day. And I see them as time and I see them as the turning of time and as changing from one face to another. And Baba Yaga being the great initiator, the power of the woods and the power of fate, the spinner and the guardian of eternal life and the mistress of death holds power over those times. So in turn, she is like the three Norns. She is like the three weavers. She is the spinner, the weaver and the cutter, depending on at what time you meet her. And she can fasten those times and change those times. But the horsemen, they are not part of her, but they, they work for her. They are aligned with her and they are seen around her. They announce a time at which she will arrive. That's all I will say about that for now without further, further investigation. But they are certainly a part of the story, letting the observer know that a time is changing a time is changing and a time is changing again. And when all three are seen, that is when she makes her appearance. When Baba Yaga arrives after the th all three are seen, after a full day has passed into the night. They almost feel to me like they are like the wheel, the loom and the knife. Yes. I suspect that the colors and the times of the day really meant something to the audience too. And that maybe even particular magic happened with particular colors and at particular times. And that as an uninitiated non-Russian person, I don't know what any of that means, but I feel the importance of it in some kind of way. It's true. It's true that those, those are powerful times, that the time when the sun, daybreak, meaning when the night just first disappears and things are light. It's the time for beginnings. It's the time to rise. It's the time to start new things. Red is the sun at noon. It's the most powerful time of the day. It is the energies at its highest. You are most protected at noon from possibly Baba Yaga. And then the dark and black indicates the time for for night, which is the time for spirits and the time for change and death to appear, if it is meant to appear, it's the time of midnight. 
where most of the real magic happens. And indeed, Baba Yaga is the real magic in the story. She appears with the Black Rider. And also we're talking, you know, once again, when the Black Rider arrives, it represents the dark one, the dark time, the underworld going under. And Baba Yaga is very much about reversal. To see her, one really must reverse oneself. That writer, that black writer indicates the turning inside out as well. I mean, could it be argued that for Vasilisa, when you turn her inside out, she's just the same as she is the other way too? Absolutely. Yes. I love that thought. <laughs> that she's just pure integrity. In my mind, that's pure integrity. You open her up, it's just the same. It's just my own thing, just pure throughout. So is this, the, is this story then the beginning of her apprenticeship that Baba Yaga gives her the skull, gives her the light, not through her own agency at that point, Vasilisa, well, but through following through with her directives, she brings the light back to her family and they're taken care of, they're decimated. Yeah, absolutely. I do think it's an initiation for Vasilisa. Also, that was not really her family. She does bring the light to her family, who's her father, and the woman who takes her in and takes care of her, who should have been the mother, who should have been the wife that her father would have, should have taken. Mm -hmm. So she makes her own family. She chooses her own family, who is willing to see her. And then she makes provisions for them. Exactly. What does Baba Yaga turn her into? Or does she even turned inside out by Baba Yaga? Does she just remain Vasilisa? I think she remains Vasilisa. I feel like Baba Yaga is the one that's turned inside out Mm. in this story. But she often is, depending on who approaches her and how she is approached. I think Baba Yaga wants to be surprised. Yeah. For a terrifying being, she's, I think that she must be bored sometimes to have somebody who can be a changer for her. Yes. Maybe that's a good thing. If she has lots of power and everybody's afraid, that becomes pretty unimpressive Well, probably people come there with the intention of taking her power or taking her over, which is impossible. Or trying to get her to do something for you. Right. Without giving her her due. I wonder if she misses Vasilisa then. <laughs> I think they visit. Vasilisa is a courageous soul and has abilities for housing all kinds of guests. And Baba Yaga can fly. So, so are you thinking that she was invited to the wedding? Nah. <laughs> she wouldn't have wanted to go to the wedding. No. With Baba Yaga, I think she likes to observe. She likes to, you know, because she knows, she knows who the stepmother is and she knows who the stepsisters are. She knows them. She knows everyone. But you can only come to her. She won't come to you. You can only come to her. And you can only come to her if you look upside down through your legs and find the path. You have to reverse yourself. You have to walk backwards. You will not find her under ordinary circumstances. Unless you don't want to. If you don't want to find her, then you're more likely to find her. 
if you're afraid of her, you're likely to find her because so she can smell that fear. But it wouldn't go as quite as well for you, I imagine. Probably not. You'd end up being a skull waiting for Vasilisa. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. Or Vasilisa's daughters. I'm guessing Vasilisa's daughters are probably learned the path to Baba Yaga's hut which stands on chicken legs. So yes, there are birds in this story as well. <laughs> well, I guess for me, when I think of going forward into the week with this story, the blessing of the mother feels to me a bit like the Haminya in the Norse tradition, the palpable blessing that comes down through the ancestral line that can help you and inform you and support you. and it makes me want to make a doll or have that sense of connection to what's those strengths that are palpable and the blessings too. But also the, you know, in these strangely turbulent times to have not a naivete, but the wiseness to know that we can reach, I can reach for a blessing that comes from a more ancient time that has seen everything and can help me understand or at least cope moment by moment. So that's what I'll be doing in the next week. I have to admit that I kind of stick with the thought of her bringing back the skull <laughs> and, uh, and having that mixed feeling of relief and in my mind, some guilt or self-condemnation about the death of them and the fact that she needs to forgive herself. So that's what sticks with me. So I'll be looking at different ways that I need to look at the ways that the things that happened had to happen and how do I forgive me for that? In conjunction with when seeking power, you need to like look backwards between your legs and the amazing vulnerability that's in that as well as the disorientation. And in what way would it behoove me to disorient myself and become more vulnerable so that I can achieve my own greater power? Those are both beautiful aspirations for the week. I feel like I will want to incorporate both of those, as well as viewing the death of the stepmother and the stepsisters as the death of the naysayer as the death of the words of dismay, the words that one hears about oneself that are negative. I want to see them not as people, but as the belief systems around, you're not good enough, you're incapable, we will take you over. That's what was burned to ash by the power of the transformative light and the light of initiation. And I will stand at the end. I will remain. The truth of me will remain. That what is sacred in me will remain, regardless of what voices around me say different. Because I don't want to have any guilt around it. I will look at it that way. I will look at that. That is the, that is the annihilation of the voices of the disbeliever. And the Scottish side of my family, the Scott side, if we were to go to the funeral of the stepmother and the two stepsisters, we would just do all the right things. And at the end of it, we would say, well, that's a relief. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Good riddance. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. That was okay. Thank you for letting me share this story with you. It is one of my absolute favorite stories for many reasons. Beautiful and it's telling. Thank you. And special thanks to the fantastic Zoe Magic for her phenomenal editing skills.